0: Welcome back. In the previous episode, we talked about what happens after we die. We go to this place that the Bible calls Sheol or Hades. One of the passages we looked at was Acts chapter 2. In that passage, Peter talks of Jesus and his resurrection. Peter observes in verse 24 that God raised up Jesus, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. When Jesus died, Peter tells us he went to Hades. God raised up Jesus, he loosed the pains of death, and he did so because Jesus could not be held by death in Hades. As Peter says, it was not possible that he should be held by it. I want to think some more about what happens after death and more specifically, to think about the implications of Peter's message for those who follow Jesus. Because just as Jesus could not be held by Hades, so too those in Jesus cannot be held by it. And toward the end of this episode, I'll spend a few minutes answering the question, is purgatory found in the Bible? So in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, we have a very interesting moment between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus asks the disciples, who do men say that I am? What Jesus wants to know is, what's the general perception among the public about my identity? Who, who do people think that I am? What we find out is there's a lot of disagreement among the people about who Jesus is. Some say he's John the Baptist, some say he's Elijah risen from the dead, or Jeremiah risen from the dead, or one of the other prophets risen from the dead. And then Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? And it's Peter who speaks up and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So while there was no consensus opinion about who Jesus is among the multitudes, Peter was convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus blesses Peter for this confession. He blesses him because God had revealed this truth to Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus says to Peter, That you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Notice the use of the word Hades, that the gates of Hades would not prevail against the church. Now some English translations translate that word hell, not Hades. But remember, Hades and hell are not the same place. Hades is where the dead go between death and the resurrection. Hell is where the wicked are cast following the day of resurrection and judgment. So Hades and hell are not the same place, and I don't believe Jesus is talking about hell in this passage. He uses the word Hades. And notice that it's the gates of Hades, the gates of Hades that do not prevail against the church. What does a gate do? Well, a gate either keeps people in or keeps people out. The souls of the deceased must go somewhere following death. So it doesn't seem like the gates of Hades are probably keeping anyone out. Instead, the gates of Hades keep people from exiting. They keep people in. And it's the gates of Hades that will not prevail against Christ and his church. Jesus is promising his church victory in this passage, victory over Hades and death. The rock upon which the church is built is the confession that Jesus is the Son of God. Peter, the same one who makes this confession in Matthew chapter 16, later calls Jesus a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Paul calls Jesus the chief cornerstone in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. So Jesus, he is the stone, he is the rock upon which the church is built, and our victory is obtained by our belief in what Peter confessed. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When we like Peter confess Jesus to be the Son of God, we become a part of his church. We gain the victory over Hades which Jesus promises in Matthew 16:18. And to be very specific, The resurrection from the dead is what gives us the victory over Hades, going back to Acts 2.24. God raised up Jesus, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. When Jesus died, he went to Hades. God raised Jesus up, he loosed the pains of death, and he did so because it was not possible for Jesus to be held by it. It was not possible for Hades to hold Jesus because he did not belong there. One of the consequences God gave to Adam and Eve for their sin was the consequence of death. Death is the punishment for sin. Paul echoes this in Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. But Jesus died as an innocent man. Peter, who spent three and a half years with Jesus, said Jesus committed no sin, Paul says the same thing in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Jesus knew no sin. So when Jesus died, he he broke the rules, so to speak. He died as an innocent man and ended up going where everyone goes. He ended up in Hades. Hades could not hold him because, quite frankly, he did not belong there. It was impossible for him to be held by it. So God could not leave Christ's soul in Hades, Acts 2.31. This is why Jesus was raised from the dead. He could not be held by death in Hades. He didn't belong there. And when we begin to put these pieces together, we can see why Jesus makes this promise to his church. Back to Matthew 16, 18. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. We can connect that together with something Jesus says to the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Remember, it's the gates of Hades that will not prevail against the church. Jesus has the keys of Hades and death because he was raised from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead. He has the keys of death and Hades. He can open Hades up, if you will. And when we link this up with something Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it all begins to make sense. At least it does to me. Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation." If you believe Jesus raised from the dead, and if you confess your belief in Jesus as Peter did back in Matthew 16, what happens? You will be saved. Or to put it another way, the gates of Hades will not be able to hold you. When the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sins, when you have confessed the name of Jesus, when you believe in Him, when you have obeyed Him, the gates of Hades cannot hold you because you don't belong there. And this is why the resurrection from the dead gives us victory over Hades. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 and 55, Paul's talking about the resurrection. He says, So when this corruptible, our, our current body, our physical body, when this corruptible has put on incorruption, incorruption there refers to the resurrection from the dead, our resurrected body, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory o death where is your sting o hades where is your victory so the resurrection from the dead is what gives us victory over hades the gates of hades cannot prevail against Christ's church christ church which is built on the the rock The fact that Jesus is the Son of God, and we make that confession, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, we become a part of His church, and Hades cannot hold us. Jesus has the keys to Hades, and He opens it up, and we are raised from the dead. All of it fits together very, very nicely. So this is what we can expect as Christians following death. There's one last question I'd like to answer. Is purgatory in the Bible? And by purgatory, I mean a temporary place of punishment after death, which after a period of time has been served, a sentence has been served, a, a person can be removed and, and promoted to heaven. That's what I mean by purgatory. So a temporary place of punishment, and those who go through that temporary punishment are then allowed to go on to heaven. Now, Sheol is never described in this way by Jesus in the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. As we talked about in the previous episode, there are clearly two destinations for the dead. We have one that's for the righteous, which the Bible calls paradise. We have another for the unrighteous. This is where the rich man went. It says he's in torments in Hades. So there's two different destinations within Hades for the righteous and the unrighteous. And you might recall from that story the rich man begs Abraham to send Lazarus over to him with a few drops of water to quench his thirst, to give him a little bit of relief. Abraham says that this is impossible. He says to the rich man, Between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. That's in Luke chapter 16, verse 26. What this teaches us, and remember this is from the mouth of Jesus, what this teaches us is once a person dies, his or her destiny is set. One cannot pass from torment to paradise. According to Jesus, the gulf between the two cannot be bridged. And that same idea is carried forward in the Bible's teaching on hell. This is true for hell as well. An angel told the prophet Daniel, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Notice that we have everlasting life and everlasting contempt juxtaposed with one another. Everlasting, that means they do not end, there is no end to either the life or to the contempt. Jesus says that hell was created for Satan and his angels in Matthew chapter 25 verse 41. Jesus also tells us in that passage that he will condemn the wicked to hell right alongside the devil and his angels. The wicked will go away to into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life, Matthew chapter 25 verse 46. Just as the righteous go to eternal life, or life without end, so too the unrighteous go on to eternal punishment, or punishment without end. Hell, or the lake of fire, is described by the Apostle John as the second death in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. So I see no reason to believe from Scripture, I see no reason to believe from Scripture that those who are cast into hell will receive a reprieve. To believe otherwise is to believe something that the Bible, quite frankly, just doesn't teach. So no, the concept of purgatory is not in the Bible. Once we die, there are no second chances. Our destiny is settled. As I draw this episode to a close, I'd like to take you back to the words of Abraham in Luke chapter 16, verse 31. He says to the rich man, If your brothers do not listen to Moses and the prophets... They will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. My friends, Jesus rose from the dead. Hades could not hold him, and it cannot hold his church. If you believe Jesus rose from the dead, then confess that belief and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. This is the one way we can be sure we end up in paradise with Abraham, Lazarus, David, and a whole host of other men and women, faithful men and women who have served God down through the ages. There will be no second chances. Once we die, we cannot cross the gulf between the righteous and the unrighteous. And there's only one way to avoid the second death, and that's through Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will. It's all